This is a podcast by The Straits Times. You're listening to In Your Opinion, a podcast series by The Straits Times. I'm Ernest Lewis. The Forward Singapore exercise began in June 2022, and since then, over 14,000 Singaporeans from all walks of life have taken part in about 140 engagement sessions on a wide range of topics. This is the national effort to achieve a social compact, to refresh the glue, if you will, that holds society together with a shared understanding of our roles, shared values and aspirations. This is the second of four podcast episodes, where we're discussing an announcement made earlier this year in Parliament, that is, the intention to give young people a voice on national issues. The Ministry of Culture, Community and Youth, or MCCY, will introduce youth panels to be launched later this year in 2023. These panels will be youth-led and supported by the National Youth Council and other government agencies. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry of Communications and Information in support of Forward Singapore. In this episode, we've invited three guests to the studio. First up is Mr. David Chua, CEO of National Youth Council. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you for having me here. And we also have two youth representatives in Ms. Peg Hailin, Senior Manager, Sustainability Estates at Singapore Institute of Technology. Hailin, great to have you here. Hello. And we also have Mr. Shirag Agawal, the co-founder of Talk Your Heart Out, an online counselling platform that is primarily used by the youth. Shirag, good to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. So let's just imagine, it's quite a grand ambition, the youth partnering the government in the next phase of nation building. So what do you think would be the one big key challenge these youth panels may face? Shirag? Yeah, so I would say I would put the youth into three buckets. There are those that are fearful that if they advocate for something or they do something or they say something, that there'll be some kind of repercussion in their lives. There are those that are passionate, who are looking for an opportunity to make a positive change in Singapore and are looking for avenues to make their voice heard. And then there are those that are cynical, who say that no matter what I say or do, Nothing's going to change. The government's going to do what they want to do. So I'd say there's quite a wide range of youth out there with different understanding of how much impact they can make. So I guess the way it, this opportunity, there's an opportunity for the government to, you know, uh, assuage those that have this fear to say that, you know, uh, maybe when someone says something that is an alternate view, you're not chastised or worse blacklisted for something. And then the real challenge, I think, is to overcome the cynicism that comes with engagement to say that after these youth panel discussions are done, that the government or the agencies involved show that in good faith that they have taken on that feedback and done something about it to, so that the next round of engagement that happens, people are more willing to come forward to say, look, I said this and this happened. And so now I'm more willing to come on board and be part of this process. So just to give our listeners an idea, what cause were you advocating for actually and working with the government then? Hailin? 
it was for environmental advocacy. Mm. Environmental advocacy is also a very broad spectrum. Like maybe for myself, I was more pushing for zero waste. My counterparts or my friends were very passionate about food, some about energy, some about policies. So we were brought together from different backgrounds as well. So when we came together, we also had to tango and work out amongst ourselves what is salient to push for together as a unit with the government and at what point in time is it suitable to push for like certain policies and how would the government be receptive about it and through that process understanding where they are coming from their level of readiness Mm. and what they are working on really really helped with making more informed decisions So, but is it a good time now for these youth who want to join the youth panels to join in this environmental advocacy sector, for example? Yeah, David? I would say many young people are interested, but some are more interested in certain aspects of sustainability. And also maybe some are not as interested, although it impacts them. But therefore, the youth panels are a way to take on these subjects that are of concern to young people and also the government. And like Highland says, yes, policymaking is not a nice process. It actually is a difficult process. But does that mean then we exclude citizens? And so under Forward Singapore, the idea is to involve and give people more roles and responsibilities, even as citizens, in the process of, the messy process of policymaking to share in that frustration. And if we do it consistently over time, you will address long-term issues. Carbon issues are decades-long challenges, not a solvable in one panel. Environment would be one, sustainability would be one, but you have other areas of cost of living, jobs, economy, housing, mental well-being, vulnerable segments of society, and these afford an avenue for us, for government to partner young people. And then, like Hailin was describing about the frustrations, sure, participate with us in the frustration of shaping policy that tries to answer many, many needs of many, many kinds of Singaporeans and trying to arrive at a policy that makes sense for all but may not actually make sense to certain segments. And then how do we then tweak policy around the ages or come up with other interventions to address those unique needs. So the message here is just to partner with us. We're not going to promise that it's going to be nice or not frustrating. There will be, and this is, but this is our commitment to partner and journey with young people. And that's the difference. The process of working with citizens is not new. We have, government has been doing it many years. But I think the difference now is that there's an intentionality to establish a structure to do it consistently. It's the first one. So, you know, yes, there's a bit of trepidation and worry. Mm. But we are committed to trying this. And we are committed to sustaining the platform for long-term challenges. And so I hope that uh, our young people will join us because we want to partner them. Yeah, nicely put. And uh, Shirag, I mean, David mentioned many sectors, actually, the youth. The youth panels will cover many areas of interest, many sectors of concerns. Your area was mental health. That is something that a lot of youth seemingly are very concerned with. And isn't this a good area as well for them? If they are so unhappy, 
and if they are so concerned about these issues? Yeah, absolutely. And I think like what Hailin was saying just now, we have to, a lot of these issues, we have to keep at it and you have to tackle it from different angles. And the youth panel is just one angle that you can use or one avenue you can use. And, you know, even for myself, I like to write. So I try to do part of my advocacy through writing, whether it's for the mainstream media or writing, you know, forum letters to Straits Times. So, I mean, I just want to share a quick story. A friend of mine who's a journalist uh, in the Philippines uh, was here for a conference recently. And she remarked to me that she was quite surprised at how responsive the government was to letters written to the mainstream media in Singapore. And so if you talk about like ways of engaging and ways of doing advocacy, the panel's a great opportunity to have in-depth kind of discussions. But I would say a starting point is, you know, do your research, refine your points like Highland said. Yep. David, circling back to you, during the Forward SG sessions, right, what did the youth say that they actually want to voice out? I mean, were there, what was the key highlights? Maybe give, share with us three key highlights. Well, there were close to 14,000 engaged and amongst them, the young people were saying they were looking for a way to be more involved in shaping the outcomes for Singapore. They didn't specifically say they wanted to involve in policy making. So there are many ways of getting, mm. uh, of, of arriving there, like Shirak says. One is you can join us in the policy making process. The other is you can also do your own advocacy, ground up action that the government also supports. Right. And we encourage young people to take action, to move and mobilize communities, companies, and even surface things to the government. The other thing that young people were talking about were certain areas that were concern, of concern to them. So whether it was to do with jobs and skills, the cost of living and affordability in Singapore and making this their home, they were worried about segments of society being left behind. They were also still thinking about aspects of the environment and how that affected their lifestyles and how they could contribute or get communities to make Singapore a more sustainable have a more sustainable future. Mental well-being was also one of the subjects, but I say that was more to do with overall well-being, whether it was work-life balance and how, whether studies and everything was too pressurizing. So, so these were the main things surfaced from our young people, and I think this can lead to either certain policies or even ground-up actions. The last point was maybe something that we also did on top of the 4SG engagements, which was a more specific youth survey on how people felt about their trust with government, especially young people. And I would say that most of them trust our competencies in being able to do things rather effectively relative to other, uh, other states. But maybe like what Chirac says, the two-way street of trust could be better so I, I, I use a chim term la, called reciprocity. It has to be reciprocal. So if they trust us, the question is, does this government trust them enough to involve them in their own processes of difficult policy shaping? And they didn't feel that it was like high enough. La. So we can do better there. And that's why the panels were an idea to begin to reciprocate the, that trust to show that yes, we are going to take a chance on this. We're going to risk it 
you may not know everything and the data may not still make sense to you, but let's share with you and let's see where the gaps are and what we can suggest together and shape together. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Back to our conversation with our three guests on the Forward Singapore discussion of the new youth panels to be set up for young people aged 15 to 35 from the final quarter of 2023 onwards. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry of Communications and Information in support of Forward Singapore. David, you, you're telling us about the youth panels, right? I mean, we don't know many details. I hope you can tell us this in the podcast sure, for the first time. How does it work and the setup? And if I were to sign up for the policy-making youth panel, mm. what is the experience going to be like for me? So if you sign up and you get selected, you're probably going to look at joining a panel of about 30 people within the group of 30, there'll be your peers from a range of backgrounds, a range of ages within the youth bracket. Some would be maybe subject matter experts like Chirag and Hailin in their fields. Others may not, and that's okay. But it's to get a diverse range of young people within the panel of 20 to 30 people. They would have advices. They would have about maybe three or four youth leads. Mm -hmm. So they would have a certain amount of say in how they want to take the process. And you can expect a commitment of at maybe twice a month for up to a year. Oh, okay. Yes. Not too bad? Uh, yeah. Not too bad. I think sometimes availability of youth is an issue because they are acknowledgeably quite busy people too. Yes, and of course. even the young adults, some of them are career and having families or getting married. So we, we want to work at it at a pace that is sustainable. The difference, like I mentioned, was in that process of twice, two times a month for a year, up to a year, yeah. civil servants would be involved, senior civil servants would be there. Sometimes the politicians might be there, uh, but what you would go through would be a process of scoping. That means deciding exactly what topic within that subject you would want to tackle of priority. So there might be many topics, but you have to scope it together, not just amongst the group, but with the civil servants. So it helps, like, as, as Hailin said and Chirag said, you have your own sectors that you're kind of very passionate about. Right? Yes. Yeah, okay. And then within the group, you decide, okay, this is the scope of what we want to do. And then you need to go through a process of contact setting and learning because there might be data coming in, mm. insights from the government to share with the panel. And then the, so you go through a time of processing the information trying to make sense of it with us. And then another process then of wrangling. I use the word wrangling because you are really wrestling with what you're hearing, your new perspectives, and with the process, and with new people and civil servants. And so there'll be a, a time of wrangling, maybe over a few months, about the issue again, maybe rescoping it, surfacing some iterations of new ideas or existing ideas. And then after that, you will need to go through a process, maybe past halfway mark of convergence. We need to converge on some things, right? We need to make some hard decisions and trade-offs about where the policy areas might go. And in that convergence process also, you the civil servants will also give a taster of 
how we now need to surface this up to bosses and what the process will look like and how much time it might take and to have forbearance and patience <laughs> on this. And so there will be a last stage where there's a bit of alignment needed and we do not underestimate the effort taken to align stakeholders, other peers, or other citizens who might be affected who are not youth, the bureaucrats within the system and clearing all the different levels before even making it to, let's say, parliament for a debate. That process of alignment, I'll be fair to say, I don't know how long it might take. It might even go beyond a year. We hope to wrap it up within a year, but if not, it's okay. Like I said, we are not in this for the short term. This is not ad hoc and short game. We are here for the long game. So for a youth panellist, let's say, I, I, I can't commit more than a year. That's okay. We will find other young people to come in to continue the process if it goes beyond a year. Mm. And so acknowledgeably, some issues might take up to a year. Some might take longer. But the main thing is that we remain committed to partnering young people. Can I just add something? I really like what David said about the process being messy and there being wrangling in this process. Because I think that, again, shows the commitment from the government to say they're not looking for a clean process at the end of which they're going to just rubber stamp that, oh, you know, we spoke to youth, they said this, we're going to do this. So if the government comes at it with a bit of a blank slate to say, we don't know what the answer is, you don't know what the answer is, let's figure this out together. And if it's really as messy and unorganized as David's gonna saying it will be, then I think there's a good chance that you get more buy-in from people because they understand that this is real change that they can then make and it's not just for the sake of it. And we, we hope to involve all the cynics, the critics, the, the fearful uh, fearful and the passionate, as Shirak mentioned. <laughs> Fantastic. That's true engagement. And you have different timelines from the fourth quarter of this year, right? Perhaps from November, December, even January onwards, since there are various sectors and it continues for the next few years? Honestly, you're right. It could be that some panels might take longer to start because, yeah, it's yeah. just... That you, you just need more, <laughs> more youth to step up, actually. Yeah, right? maybe. Or yeah. maybe the panels still haven't finished scoping. Yes. Or it could even be that my counterparts in the relevant domains still trying to warm up to the idea like, mm. hey, I'm not sure. Or, hey, come on, it's okay. Well, you just have to get your <laughs> counterparts to listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe they get more scared after this. <laughs> so, David, thanks for giving us the insight into how these youth panels are really going to work out and what it takes for someone from the public to apply and register themselves, the interest, and the setup and the workflow. How would the youth involve, right? What are the expectations that they should have? Is it when it comes to like directly influencing policies, are there some expectations that you have to manage? And is it a very defined process in this workflow for a year? Or is it kind of organic? I would say it's a bit of both. There is a defined process for policy making and I think what we want to do is to let our young people who are in a panel experience it. And I talked earlier about the convergence and the alignment. They need to also see the process and our own frustrations and the patience that we ourselves need within government to push the submissions and the recommendations through before it makes it into policy or to a bill and it's surfaced and debated in parliament. 
So, yes, there is a process. We want to make it open a bit more. There is also some openness to have some organic feedback and and how to iterate. So I think for that, we are more open to have some degree of organic action in a sense of how the young people want to take it. So my role and the National Youth Council's role within the panel will be to preserve this balance of well-defined processes and having some organic action so that we are not too rigid also in how we move things. And so that is our commitment. I'm not going to say that, yeah, it will be, you know, completely okay. We just need to go and test this out and forge that path and the experience for ourselves. So this is also equal learning for not just the citizens, but even for government. And Shirag, what about areas to note or evolve or improve on since you were involved in the previous informal circles as well? What do you think you would suggest to the organisers of these youth panels? I think first of all, it would be to just be honest about why some things can work and why some things can't work and provide more detailed explanations around the trade-offs that are required, the complications that implementing a certain policy will have or the timelines that will have to be considered in implementing a particular policy. Not everything can be done with a stroke of a pen. Like David mentioned earlier, they have to work out the communications, the impact, the downstream effects. So, But I think over time, hopefully we hear a little bit more about why something can and cannot be done and are provided more data points. And with the government being a bit more transparent about, you know, this is what we are seeing, this is the data we have, and based on this, this is why we think this can or cannot be done. So, yeah, just a little bit more transparency and honesty, I think would help build that trust that Hailin mentioned earlier as well. Hailin, any areas to evolve or improve on? Yes, to echo Shirak's points, I hope that the agencies would be more willing to share more openly. So the point on vulnerability, it's definitely not easy, but true engagement, I believe, comes when you are like sharing about or maybe like internal pain points or things that you might not know, saying that, oh, I don't know about this, maybe let's work on it together. Things like that, I think, will be very, very authentic in terms of bringing the youth together to also understand the situation a bit better and providing them with like different contexts. Now, today's cancel culture is quite strong, especially among the youth as well. What if youth feel shy or even embarrassed that they should be seen, you know, or mocked by friends or even family members, you know, worried mother, father, hey, why are you going to air your views in such working groups, you know, that kind of thing. You know, what would you say to encourage them to join these youth panels? As you guys said, it's the first time, it's properly set up, no better time to air your views. Share up. I mean, I would say just ignore the armchair critics or those friends or family who mock you or make fun of you for doing it because at the end of the day, that's all they are. They're armchair critics. Get involved. Get in the arena. It's going to be messy. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be painful. But at least you are part of the process as opposed to just a bystander looking in. So I would say just ignore those comments or views. Get involved and, and find a way to make a difference. Highly. 
agree that there will always be naysayers no matter what you do, advocating and engaging stakeholders publicly is actually not something that comes very naturally to me as well. But at the end of the day, I guess, as long as you're clear about what your North Star is and what outcomes uh, you maybe you want to achieve or you want to learn from, if you really do sign up for this, I think that's I think that's really good enough. And yeah, you, then you can tune out the noise in the background. And don't be afraid to even share it on your own socials, right? Absolutely. I don't what think there's doing, anything... Or what you're learning is... Yeah. Yes, for sure. Okay, David? Well, Vincent van Gogh said, what is life if you did not have the courage to attempt anything? Of course, he said it in the context of painting. So he said, if your head tells you, your heart tells you you're not a painter, do it. And so my challenge to our young people and listeners out there is, do it. And for those, your, your parents, your friends are saying, why do you bother with this? You know, just do it and show them that this is part of forging the future and this is government's commitment to partner with you. We want to partner with you in a transparent and authentic and vulnerable way. And so help us with that. Help us with that because we can't do it alone. And then we will have a shared collective and a shared future. Well, everyone, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts, Hailin. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And Shirak too, glad to have you share all your views and insights. Thank you very much. And David, thanks for sharing with us uh, all the key themes from months of forward Singapore dialogue sessions from your team as well, what you've shared with us, and especially the insights into how these youth panels are going to be set up and how they're really going to work for someone who signs up. I hope they do. Thank you, Ernest, and I'm excited. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of In Your Opinion, a podcast series by The Straits Times. If you'd like to read our opinion columns, there are links in our podcast show notes. This episode was brought to you by the Ministry of Communications and Information in support of Forward Singapore. Thanks for listening. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.